your mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, <laughs> I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? He was so worked up, he vomited on the sideline and then just kept on yelling at his teammates, Steve. <laughs> Becoming a sideline reporter for ESPN didn't make me popular. This thing did. I've been getting offers for it all day long. That might be the best sideline reporter in the history of sideline reports. Hey, everyone. Welcome into Sideline Pass Podcast. Molly McGrath and Chris Budden joining you. And Chris is fresh off of a court storming at Texas the other night. A really wild week in college basketball, too, as Auburn fell to Arkansas. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about all of that and talk about kind of the difference between covering football and basketball on the sidelines. But Chris, we have to start with that court storming. I can't remember the last time I was a part of a court storming. What was that like? Uh, It was really fun. You know, we've been, our team has been joking that we've been really lucky to have some good ones. We've had a double overtime at Kansas, um, a last second shot, Baylor, West Virginia. And then sometimes the best ones are the games you weren't expecting to be that good. I think we thought this one would be interesting. I'm not quite sure we thought it'd be as good and as physical as it was. And I also wasn't expecting a court storming because the Texas, for whatever reason, basketball is not huge at Texas um, in terms of the fans. And so it's very rarely sold out. But I'll tell you what, I did that and I did the their game when they hosted Tennessee and Rick Barnes came back. And within the last month, like the fans have started to really embrace this team. So yeah, court storming. And then it happens, you know, football, it takes a while for everyone to get to the field because you got to jump over. So at least you can like run to the 50 yard line in basketball. There's not like a meeting place, you know, like the away team runs off the court. And so, and in two seconds, the entire court was filled and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to find anyone? And Texas's SID, Scott McConnell is probably the best in the business and has been there 30 years. He found me and he said, stay right where you are. I was with my camera and he's like, I will go get Timmy Allen. And he like busted his way through and brought Timmy over to me. So it was cool. I did the interview and then everyone is surrounding us. And he's a really cool kid, spent three seasons at Utah, uh, then came over. So it it was really fun. We kind of joked that, um, you know, if I haven't gotten COVID by this point, then maybe I'm immune to it after <laughs> maybe a court storming in Texas. Yeah, yeah after being a part of that. But it was it's really cool to see that place um have some energy again because Tex, you know, what Chris Beard's done there is is pretty cool. Texas fans have to be starved for success, especially with you know basketball team is now getting better. The football team was awful last year. So it's like, it's good to see that fans are supporting the team and that they're kind of rallying around that. Um, And I suggest that people go to Chris's uh, Instagram page because you posted the interview. It was a great interview. The images were incredible. Yeah. Our director court was covered with people. Was that live? No. So we were already game took forever. So we were, it was Monday going into Scott Van Pelt. So it, recorded it. It aired two minutes later on Scott Van Pelt. Awesome. Um, Yeah. But you know, you never know what it looks like or how it sounds. You know, I'm like right in his ear with the mic, like hoping he can hear me. And when I went and watched it back, our director, Anthony DeMarco did an incredible job of, you know, close shots, wide shots, zooming in, getting a sense of the whole court, but we haven't been on since you started hoops. Yeah. I know that you were kind of nervous. It's the, the rhythm of the game is just so absolutely different than football. So what's it been like jumping back in? 
It's so different. Um, so I haven't covered college basketball in two years Mm -hmm. because last year I had my son Ray in January. So I took a year off of college basketball, which kind of sucked, but it is what it is. So I was really nervous going into my first hoops game in a couple seasons and, you know, everything's changed so much with COVID. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what the access would be like. And I think my biggest takeaway is my first game was a couple weeks ago and it was UCLA at Arizona. And that's such, such a fun rivalry. And both, both teams have been so solid this year, other than UCLA losing to ASU the other night. That was a really big bummer for Pac-12 in general. But that was a really fun game. And it was a really great back and forth. And the beginning of the game was like a track meet. And both of these teams are running a lot and they're out in transition. So the beginning of the game is so fast that I forgot how fast basketball (laughs) is. Like I was sitting there kind of overwhelmed and I was pitching some things to my producer, but the game was going so fast that nothing could have fit in at that time. Next thing I know, I look up and it's almost halftime. You know, basketball is just a different animal when it comes to covering it and when to jump in. Um, I think the best time, like the first game I was just pitching stuff wildly and he's like, (laughs) not right now, Molly. It's like, they've been going going back back and and forth. forth. Yeah. Yeah, Like Molly, the game is taking over, you know, we don't want to go to, I don't know, a report about so-and-so's ankle, you know? So I kind of got a feel for it again. And I think the best times, and you can tell me what you think, and you'll probably agree with me sell things during commercial breaks. Mm -hmm. And there are, what is it? The four TV timeouts, the under 16, the under 12, the under eight and the under four. Four. And yeah. And those are the times to like sell stories because it's easier coming out of break to go straight to you or for you to bring it out of break. And I got lucky with my first couple games, especially uh, Arizona has been just decimated with injuries. So I had a ton of injury updates and Arizona, like, it's interesting with the Pac-12, um, the teams are a little tighter with information. I wasn't able to listen into huddles, which was hmm. a really big bummer. Be- so that was my next question. I'm yeah. Because I get asked this all the time, and it is different everywhere Every you go. team. I know yeah. ACC is pretty tough. Big 12 is pretty good. But I'm t- when I say every place is different, Kansas is one a half. So you get to pick one timeout a half to go listen to their huddle. You like check in and you're like, Hey, this is my one Kansas or Kentucky has a director of ops listening and then hold, give you the information. Yeah. But other than that, everyone else in the big 12 is pretty open. Yeah. I found, I think that a lot of um, conferences kind of dictate the coverage I feel, and they buy into it. Like the sec is the easiest conference to cover football, basketball, like the sec just gets it. And I think it's because they're so entrenched with ESPN and they're like, let's make our TV partners happy covering the sec. The access is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the PAC 12, they have their own TV network. They have their own people. They're not as tied in with the national networks. And so it's just harder. The access is difficult. And there are these old school blue blood programs like UCLA who've been doing it the same way for decades. And it just is what it is. So you, I like going, the biggest stuff that you get is you go to shoot around the day of the game and you can talk to one or two players at shoot around. Um, and some teams are like, you need to talk to them as we're walking to the bus. This is all you get. And some teams give you a little bit more time. Um, so it was a bummer. The first couple of games I did, I wasn't able to listen into huddles and I even, uh, 
asked a couple coaches to their face, like, okay, they're saying no, maybe they won't say no to my face. Like, Hey coach, so excited to cover you guys. Wondering if I could listen into your huddle during TV timeouts. And the coaches were like, yeah, you know, I think we're just going to keep it within the team. And I was like, so is that a no? He's like, yeah, that's a no. Well, I will say that. Okay. Well, at least I tried for as open as they are. They're like, sure. You can listen in. They do make sure that every manager stands around in like a group huddle. So you actually can't see in. It's like, they box you out. (laughs) So yeah, we'll give you access, but, uh, we're going to make it so you can't get any visual inside. Yeah. One thing I've, it's really interesting, just like the different conferences and the different teams and what kind of coverage that they allow. I will say this Gonzaga is one of the best in Mm. terms and the number one team now that Auburn fell. And I'm, I'm kind of on the Gonzaga beat. I have like five more Gonzaga (laughs) games this season and which is nice because I'm in the state of Washington and they're in Washington. Um, So the games are kind of local ish, but Mark few has set this tone of just like, we, it's kind of like, we know we're good and we don't need to, we're going to work really hard, but no one's out to get us. And we're just going to allow whatever they want. And so their shoot arounds are really loose. The players, I was able to walk up to like three, four players, chat their ear off, talk to them as long as I wanted to during their shoot around. They allow huddle access. It kind of is, it's like one or two, a half, um, that I'm allowed to like listen in or like one of their, um, one of their assistant coaches will come give me information. So that's at at least nice. Gonzaga has been really good with their coverage and like allowing me to kind of listen into things. So have you, I know BYU had fans. I think Gonzaga had fans. What about you've been to Arizona, UCLA, Arizona. Yeah. So I was at UCLA. I was at Arizona and then I was at BYU. All of them had incredible atmospheres. So I was at UCLA. I got so lucky with my first game. There are so many storylines. It was the first game at Poly Pavilion with fans in over a month. Oh, awesome. So they had like lifted the restrictions literally for that game. And there were students that were camping out. The game, it's a West Coast game. So tip off was at eight o'clock Pacific. 8 p.m. I was uh, exhausted by halftime. I was like, (laughs) I should be asleep right now. I have a baby. Um, So, but people started lining up at 6 a.m. for for a game in LA. Like people criticize West Coast fans, but it was really cool. So Poly Pavilion was packed for the UCLA Arizona game. And then at Arizona, it was packed and it was a sellout. And then at BYU for Gonzaga at BYU, BYU lost to San Francisco on a Thursday at midnight that night, they allowed students to camp out to, um, wait for their tickets to wait for their spot in line for their student section. Students camped out from midnight Thursday night until the game on what, when was the game? It was on Saturday. Yeah. Cause it couldn't have been on a Sunday. The game was on yeah. Saturday. So people camped out for two days, wow. essentially, just to get a good spot in the student section for a game that was a blowout, but the fans stayed the entire time. They were incredibly loud. I don't know if I've seen better fans than these BYU fans. It was 13 degrees at night and they're camping in tents. Well, that's what we've been wondering about our Big 12 crew, because we will lose Texas OU here in a couple of years. But we gained BYU. Of oh, it's going to be amazing. Oh, that's awesome. B- the BYU 
is one of the most difficult places to play in college basketball. It's up there. It's got to be top. I would say it's got to be like top five because it's a, it's a small, it's a, it's a pavilion where it's really vertical and the fans are on top of the court and the court area is kind of small. So fans are hanging over kind of on top of you. It's like the basketball form of Oklahoma state. You yeah. know how like the field at Oklahoma State is small, the yeah. sidelines are small, so, like, right on top of you, and the yeah. fans are right on top of you. It's like that at BYU, and the Big Twelve is gaining a huge fan base in That's BYU. Awesome. Yeah, really, really cool. I was really impressed with the whole game day experience at BYU. So, so funny story. So I did Tennessee, Texas, the weekend of the Big Twelve SEC Challenge, and it was Rick Barnes going back to Texas, the first time that he's been back. And there were, we did a like a long form sit down with them the night before. And we had all this incredible access. And I had all these like Chris Beard gave him a pair of shoes that had his favorite quote on them. Like there was a, a, the nicest beef jerky box. Like I had just had all this stuff. And then yeah. there was a funny moment. I'm getting ready for my open and the um, head coaches come out like a minute at, before tip. And all of the cameras, because all of the Austin media, all of the Knoxville media is all there waiting for the away tunnel for Rick Barnes to walk out because they were also doing this whole video tribute on the Jumbotron to him. Well, I'm on the other end of the court by Texas's bench and no one notices, but Rick Barnes walked out of the Texas tunnel. It was almost like, hey, old hat, this is the tunnel that I go through. Oh and my he's gosh. Just walking by me, he's like, hey, shaking hands. Meanwhile, on the other side of the court, none of these cameras realize they've completely missed the Rick Barnes like entrance into the building because, you know, he just went through the same entrance tunnel that he always has. <laughs> That's so funny. So, in that moment, do you change your, no, you don't change your open to that. Do you No, but no. I had, I was like, Hey, I was like, get a shot of it. Mine was on, um, all the things that he had told us, um, about how, how he knew how many steps it was from getting off the bus to the court. Wow. He was, I like, I, I'm now at the top of the Rick Barnes fan club. Oh, he he's was, amazing. And things that he would never want publicized of things that he has done for people, for his staff, for the security guards that work the back door, just the most amazing stories that he would never want publicized because he doesn't want the attention. Uh, so it was, that was pretty cool. That's really cool. That's something that may like, it's hard to change your whole open and you want it to feel really big and to story tell about Rick Barnes coming back and the things that he told you. That's something that that's a good report for in game to mention that, or even as a bow to tie a bow yeah. on the end of your open. Hey, Rick Barnes knows all of the steps that it takes to get from the bus to the court. And guys, he even walked <laughs> through the wrong tunnel. Yeah. He walked through the home coach's tunnel because he obviously feels at home here, whatever. Actually, a question for you, because we were going back and forth about this halftime interview. So it, he was supposed to be up and then there was a foul just before half. So they ended up being down a point. But, you know, so one question was obviously on the game. They'd given up a lead. And my producer's like, you got to ask about playing in this environment, but coaches are so narrow focused in a game yeah. that's, yeah. especially since he doesn't want it to be about him uh, to sit there at halftime and say like, what did you think about, you know, the fans welcoming you? I was like, I can't get him to go there, you know? And I was like going back and forth on how to approach it. 
you know, when the, the fans are watching, know that like, this is this big, you know, return, but how do I ask it without him being like, this isn't about me, you know? So I just, I said something of, you know, how do you think that you and your team have handled the environment around this game? And he gave me some, you know, oh, we're fine. But it was going back and forth with my producer of, is that really a question you ask halftime, you know? I agree. I think that's a post-game question if they win. Um, I think that's the kind of stuff. So just so everyone knows, sideline reporters think of their own questions for halftime and post game. (laughs) Um, We spend a lot of time thinking about what we want to ask. And every once in a while, a producer will get in your ear and remind you of something really big and say, Hey, I really think you should ask about, you know, his return and how he's handling this environment, whatever. And, and I think it's 50, 50 for me. I either wave it off and I'm like, I'll be like, no, (laughs) I'll be like, no, no, I'm good. Or like, I, I, I think I'm going to take him somewhere else. Like, thank you though. Like I'll ask that post game mm. or I say, you know what? It's good to get another person's perspective and they're looking big picture. Cause they're in the truck. Maybe I do need to be more big picture. I don't know what I would do in that situation. I agree. I would ask it the way that you asked it. I would say something like, we all know this is an emotional game for you. How have you and your team uh, handled the distractions in this hostile environment? Yeah. It would have been different if they were up 15, you know, but now they're down one and it got kind of, and you know, he's pissed. They're down one. He's pissed. That's all he's thinking about. He's not thinking about the fact that he knows this building so well and blah, blah, blah. He's thinking about the fact that they just let up a lead. Yeah. So you kind of have to stay there. I don't know. I, with basketball, I think halftime is actually harder than football. I agree. Because Chris Beard tried to run off this during my last game. And I was like, wait, coach. And then he's like sitting there. I'm like, come to me, come to me. And then he like, he tried to run off after the first question. And then I asked a second, he's like, God, get this girl out of my face. I had that happen too. my first game, Arizona at UCLA, Mick Cronin, UCLA's head coach is he's in the face of the officials yelling at them about some call. And he's going crazy at them. And they're like, I can hear the announcers in the booth saying, Dave Pash is saying, Mick Cronin, obviously still hot at the officials. Molly McGrath is going to get him in just a moment. You see me off to the side and I grab him and he keeps walking. And he's like, oh, doesn't seem like Molly McGrath is able to get Mick. Okay, we're going to go to the studio. Let's, Let's send it out to the studio. Oh, wait. No, Molly McGrath does have Mick Cronin. <laughs> yeah, it was like very dramatic. It was like reality <laughs> TV. And I just, the most obvious question, coach, why are you so upset? You know, and then, and, and that was easy, actually. I loved that interview because it was dramatic and good TV. And I was able to ask him why he was so upset. And he gave a great interview. And he did eventually stop for me. He just stopped like in their tunnel. He wanted to get off the floor. Um, but I do think that basketball is harder because you want to ask the right questions. And like, if your booth has been talking about how terrible their transition defense is, you want to ask about transition defense, but also you don't want to take the coach away from what is in their head right in that moment. So Mm -hmm. like off camera, I always just ask them like, what did you think? Or like, what did you say in the locker room? I asked like really simple, obvious questions. Yeah. What is your message? What was your message to the team? That's what I asked coming out. Yeah, because it, you kind of you don't want to force them to go in a direction that their head's not at. So you kind of want to let them dictate. Like, coach, what impressed you most in that first half? Like, whatever. It's almost more difficult because you have to ask a more simple question. Yeah, I think I don't know. 
I agree. I was actually talking to one of our reporters the other day because she was asking me about, you know, flip-flopping questions. And, you know, she's like, should I start time timeline-wise? Like they went on a 9-0 run to begin the game. Should I start with that? Like, honestly, I always leave with what just happened because yeah. coaches are so laser focused. Like they don't even know what happened an hour ago. You know, they yeah. know what happened just then. You go micro and then you can go macro. Yeah. You start with, hey, coach, that three that so-and-so just hit, like heading into the locker room, what does that do for whatever team's confidence? And then you can go bigger picture. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, hey, can we it's share, tough. Can we share this story that I told you about the other day? So I decided in between my games on a Monday and a Saturday that I was going to take the family to Disney World for four days. And then we get an ice storm in Dallas and I've got to go from Orlando to Kansas city. So originally I was supposed to fly with the family through Dallas and go up and then all the flights get canceled. And I'm like, shoot. So my husband's like, just go Friday, go through Atlanta or Charlotte. So I said, okay. So he had to go Saturday morning. Well, at 4am I get a call while I'm in Florence. Oh my God. What, what airline are we on? <laughs> they leave it an hour, hour, hour and a half. Then he's sitting in TSA because all my kids have eaten for four days is absolute junk. My son proceeds to vomit in the TSA line. <laughs> and I'm just like sitting in my hotel room in Lawrence being like, thank God this is not happening to me. Also, my husband will never be taking the kids by himself ever again. And why did I try and force four days of Disney in between basketball games? I feel like I've gotten run over by a train. Oh my God. I can't. First of all, the puking in the TSA line is unbelievable. Like <laughs> that doesn't happen in real life. Hold I on, cannot my... believe that. Also, your husband doesn't know what airline he's flying. <laughs> what is he? 12? <laughs> oh, and how about this? My son was so proud. He goes, Mom, I didn't get any of the throw up on my clothes. <laughs> Good job, bud. Good job. Oh, my goodness. Trying to squeeze in a personal trip in between games. If you go from one game personal trip to straight to another game, I is not recommended. Yeah. It's something that you, you do every once in a while because you want to tell yourself you have some semblance of a normal life. And then you realize that um, you don't and you feel like you've been hit by a truck because you're exhausted. It's well, the I was going to miss spring break. And then now my schedule is a little bit busier because then I, um, I've also <laughs> apparently added tennis play-by-play -play to my resume. Okay. So uh, Chris Button is like, I, Allison Williams and I are determined to think that Chris Button has a time machine because Chris takes such great care of her kids. And she does all this like mom stuff that I can't even wrap my head around because my kid's not old enough for that. You're like driving kids to practice and making them dinner. And then you're also a sideline reporter for college basketball. You host an NFL radio show every Sunday. Okay. You are adding in a big 12 radio to your plate. And you're doing tennis play-by-play -play this spring. I like, I, you are a queen. I literally <laughs> don't know how you do everything that you're doing. How do you keep it all straight? I have, I have two planners. <laughs> no, uh, my, my husband's really great about helping out with the kids stuff. But like today we had to send them to aftercare because I'm doing the radio show until five. Um, I don't know, like basketball has been crazy, but at least it's been the same conference every time. Yeah. And um, so.
So that's been at least easier tennis. Uh, luckily the basketball season will be over. And so I can just focus on that. And uh, hopefully it comes second nature to me since I've been around uh, tennis my whole life. The radio, the NFL radio show is what's hard. Cause now that I have these Sunday or Saturday, Monday games, I had to carry like this gigantic checked radio luggage with me everywhere I go and hook it up to like all these hotels. But uh, I don't know, like part of me is like, how long am I going to do this job for? So I might as well just say yes to everything before people realize that you're old and you can't be on TV anymore or something. Oh, stop. Don't say that. <laughs> There's like 70 year old men on like the lead broadcast for the NFL. Women should be able to be on it as long as they want. True. Actually, the, I um, the, the, no, but the true reason of why I really, you know, I first of all, I love radio because I get to talk for more than 20 seconds at a time. It's also why yeah. I love this podcast. Um, but also like, what if one day I'm, you know, like my kids are super busy and super in sports and I don't want to travel to games as much as I do now, you know, it'd be nice to, um, have, you know, my foot in the radio door too, to keep that as an option. I think doing radio makes you better at TV too. Yeah, it does it, because you're just on for longer and you're able to put your thoughts into your, it's more long form, which is kind of nice. Um, I'm curious, how are you preparing for play-by-play? You've never done play-by-play before, right? No, but the good thing about tennis, it is, it is more conversational and you lay out during points. Uh, mm-hmm. And then speak in between the points. So it's not like I'm narrating each stroke. Uh, you let the play, you know, marinate a bit and then you discuss in between. Now, the hard part for college tennis is there are six courts going on at one time for the singles portion of it. Mm-hmm. So it is bouncing from court to court, understanding the scenario that like it's kind of like hard to explain on a podcast, but like once the one team gets to four points, each court is a point, the match is over. So some matches may not finish. So it's more of understanding the the background of the players, but I'm doing it for Texas and they're really good. Like number one in the country, I'm doing men's and women's um, men just won a national championship. So that's so exciting. I'm so yeah. proud of you. I can't wait to watch you kill it. Thanks. All of these things, all of these things are so good. They all make you better at like everything else, you know, that having that, um, I don't know, versatility is so valuable in our business. Hey, before we wrap things up, you don't feel like you, you finish football season and you're like, Oh, like I, it's, you kind of get a break and you're like, the, but I know the next thing will be here so fast. And then we get an email about spring football availability. And I'm like, how is it already spring football again? I literally just got an email back about my spring football availability <laughs> while we were talking on this podcast. I'm like, oh, what spring game am I going to be doing? It literally doesn't stop. Does it doesn't stop. stop. Yeah. So what do you have next? Next, I have St. Mary's at Gonzaga. Um, and I'm actually, this is my first time I'm going to fly in day of game. We have a gap in childcare where my husband is on a work trip and he lands Saturday morning and I take off Sunday (laughs) or Saturday morning. So he's literally going to land. I'm going to like hand him the kid. We have a babysitter on standby in case his flight is delayed. And then I'm flying out to Spokane, uh, Saturday morning for my Saturday night game. So that's so crazy. That'll be interesting yeah. and a little stressful. Hopefully everything's on time. Yeah. But <laughs> quick trip and then yeah. Super Bowl on Sunday. Oh yeah. You got plans? Um, I'm gonna make some like fattening dips and tacos. eat them all. But tacos. Ooh, Molly's, I should make tacos. Molly's famous tacos. 
I might make the famous tacos. Our house is under construction. So we were going to um, host because we have like a huge uh, movie theater room with a movie screen. That was the first thing that my husband um, added to the house was a movie theater. That's awesome. So we were, we would host, but our house is under construction. So it's like, and we're both coming back from work trips. Uh, we'll probably just take it easy and who, eat a lot. Who are you pulling for? I mean, Joe Burrow is so much swag. It's hard not to want to see him succeed. Like I'm, I, I don't know. I also like Matthew Stafford. And I, I think that just like the underdogs and the fact that Cincinnati hasn't been there in like so long. And I don't know, I'm, I'm excited for Joe Burrow. I think I'm going to root for them. Yeah. I was listening to uh, a podcast the other day about how Joe Burrow is the perfect amount of cocky you know, like enough that you like think he's really cool, but not that he turns you off. I'm rooting for the Rams because I'm, um, she's going to think I'm like a stalker now, but Matthew Stafford's wife, Kelly, who I listened to her podcast. I think she's the coolest person on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> she, you love her. She talks about how she vomits multiple times before games because she's so nervous. And so I'm like, oh I just think it's really, it's, it's been cool to listen to the the wives perspectives because of all the things that they do behind the scenes for these players. And just, you know, I, I, well, the other thing that I think is cool because you don't see it in sports a lot is like all of Detroit's rooting for them. A lot of times athletes leave for, you know, brighter, bigger futures and the X city is like deuces guy, but they all still appreciate him. So I think that that's a cool story. Yeah. This is the closest Detroit's going to get to a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> just uh-huh. kidding. Um, but I, I, I would be really happy for Matthew Stafford if yeah. he wins a Super Bowl. It's just looking at his career and everything his family has been through. Like that would be really, really amazing for, for him to win. So I'm kind of like, I'm just going to enjoy the game and uh, drink some beer and eat a lot of yummy food. So I'm excited. And are you on the radio on Sunday? Love it. Love it. Yep. Uh, seven to 10 p.m. Eastern time. So we'll be on the radio. I'll be in a uh, hotel room in Lawrence, Kansas, um, breaking it down while it's going on. Mefield Yates and Harry Douglas. The grind doesn't stop for Chris Bud and everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening to us this week. We'll be back probably next week. We're going to try to get maybe some um, NFL people on the show because they'll be done with their season after the Super Bowl and maybe a little more available. Uh, so we'll catch up with you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys for listening to the Sideline Pass podcast. Don't forget to download, rate, and review, and we will see you next week.